Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 160 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Looking forward to part two of uh, feeding a family with dinner, right? Yes, and our dinner woes. It's (laughs) it's woeful. Um, (laughs) This is part two. If you listened last week, we kind of tackled some common struggles that moms face when putting dinner on the table and offered some tips and solutions. A lot of it was talking to ourselves, wouldn't you say, Megan? (laughs) No, we talked. We like talked ourselves off a few cliffs. So, um, but I think it like, like we tend to do, I think there was a lot of just, hey, guys, like, this is going to change. If you're in a rut, it'll get better. Here's some ways to feel okay about where you are with, you know, feeding your family right now, especially dinner because dinner's loaded. We tend to like really put a lot of emphasis on the nighttime meal. So we do. Um, so you don't have to listen to these two in order. We've just, we have three more struggles and our solutions that we'll offer today, but it's not consecutive. So if you happen upon this one, just keep listening, but then just know that there's as much good stuff back in episode 159 from last week and that that's sort of a compliment to this one but I don't think it needs to be in order I don't think so either you could go in reverse or you could even you know put something else in between if you wanted to you make it like a little dinner sandwich whatever you want also <laughs> Megan you asked for our listeners feedback on using the <gasps> grill did, did we did. hear we heard so many great tips. We got so much great feedback. First of all, I have to just say, I appreciate people letting me know that I'm not the only one who avoids the grill for some dumb reason, but I also really loved the practical advice that I got um, from Voxer. People voxed us, which is great. People voxed us. They used SpeakPipe, which is the yep. app on our website, and you can also record your voice and just email it to us. But what I loved was the the women out there who have conquered their fear of the grill, they were like super proud about it. Like, yes. And I can relate to that, not with using the grill, but when you've been intimidated by some dumb little thing and then you overcome it, you do feel like kind of a superhero. So I yeah, love hearing that. I think at the very end of this show, we'll play a couple of those. So yeah, I'm looking fun. forward to that. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip-On Flat and your Chardonnay heeled sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. 
We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out. (laughs) And their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash the mom hour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. Okay, so we're jumping in. We are going to jump in. We have three more, three more struggles. Last week, we talked about the, the struggle of having no time. We talked about the struggle of picky eaters or people who don't all eat the same thing in your family. And we talked about the struggle of the witching hour, which is related to not having time, but it deserved its own own special conversation. So the first one I've got queued up for us today is that grocery grocery shopping is not fun for a lot of people. It's not. And and I go through phases where I think it's awesomely fun and then phases where I hate it so much. And it's, I don't know what's going on with me. Like anything else, things get old, right? Things get old. And if we, you know, in this episode, we're also going to talk about meal planning being hard. And those two are they're like, you know, cousins, because if you're if you're having trouble with your meal plan, your grocery shopping is very, um, you know, that feeling when you go in and you like (laughs) you want to have a list, but then you're also a little random. I I don't mind grocery shopping on a regular basis. If I'm at my regular store doing my regular thing, I can get into my groove. I don't even mind having a kid or two with me. but it's it's when something changes. So now you're trying to do a new meal plan or somebody's coming over for dinner, you're having company. And that's when for me, like grocery shopping gets totally overwhelming. But also, yeah. I think it's like some moms just really hate it. I've never been someone who hates grocery shopping. I actually like it better than I like a lot of other things we've talked about with dinner making. Um, but it is a struggle for a lot of people. So do you have do you have a go to tip? Oh, gosh, I have many. Well, um, one of the ones. So I have relied heavily in the last year and a half or so where what ended up happening to me when I had little kids at home and I was home working from home or staying at home most of the day, grocery shopping was okay. I would, I got in a really good rhythm. Yeah. I would take a kid with me. We kind of made it like an adventure. I didn't yeah. feel any pressure. Um, I would pick my time and of day really carefully. It was, I felt like part of my job as a stay at home and or work at home mom was like part of my, you know, task for the yeah. week is to go grocery shopping. Then Um, I ended up working like, you know, 60 hours a week or something ridiculous like that. So the times that I did have to grocery shop tended to be right when like everyone else in the world also went to grocery shop, like 530 in the evening or um, Sunday morning on a Sunday. Exactly. (laughs) And I would find myself hating it, first of all, because I was um, often running out of food between mm-hmm. shops. So you would get to like, if I did it on Monday, not only did the, the experience stink because you're at the store, you just want to go home. It's like Monday evenings were like my one evening to be home with the kids and like nothing else going on. I was really mindful about setting that aside. And the last thing I would want to do was then grocery shop on that day. Right. Um, or, but if I didn't, I would literally run out of food on Sunday and right. we would have to go out to eat and right. then spend money that I didn't have. So anyway, um, what I started doing was, and I like to think of this as a very European practice. Yes. Um, I started being okay with running to the store sometimes daily. Yeah. Like sometimes on my way home, I would literally just, we have a little store. We've talked a lot about the grocery stores that we frequent and I have one. It's kind of like the hometown store. It's called Hardings. It is okay. not fancy. Um, you go there. It is a milk and bread and eggs kind of a place yep. typically, right? But they do have a little produce section. And if all I needed was an avocado or a cauliflower head or something like that, it was I could run in there and grab like a pork tenderloin, a cauliflower head, maybe some milk and be like through the entire store and in the checkout line in seven minutes. Yeah. And sometimes just knowing it's only going to take you that long is such a load off your mind, even if you know the next day you're going to do it again (laughs) for seven minutes and the next day after that, possibly again. I, I feel like taking the pressure off of myself to do a big grocery shop really helped me. 
The other thing it helped me do um, was fine tune my shopping habits to match our new reality, which was me not being home as much, the kids not being with me as much. Yeah. Had I kind of stuck with that weekly grocery shopping um, pattern, I think I would have found myself throwing a lot of food away. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So what I ended up kind of doing instead was I'd, you know, I'd make dinner and then I'd kind of eyeball how much was left. And if there was enough for leftovers the next day, maybe I wouldn't shop again until Wednesday. But if there wasn't, I'd just run by the store again. And I'm getting now back to not having not really doing that as much anymore. Right. But I will say for a year, it might sound crazy that going to the store all the time was a lifesaver, but it actually was just so yeah. helpful. Like yeah. I was just constantly going to the store and it it didn't cost me a lot of gas or anything because I just made sure it was on my way home. And yeah, it's a and small town. The the key <laughs> thing here is that you don't have little kids with you anymore like to a mom right. with like a baby a toddler and a preschooler going to the store every day would be right. outrageously horrible right. um, but for you it totally worked and I think a lot of what we're going to offer today both with grocery shopping and meal planning is that sometimes an overhaul or a change up is needed and yeah. I think we resist that sometimes because mm-hmm. we're like oh this is the way I do it so my tip was going to be to ask yourself these questions when do you go who goes with you and can that change? Because <laughs> yes. just like you spoke to some of this already, um, the experience of grocery shopping is so much different depending on the crowds, who's with you, what your mindset is or like where your head is. So I have a I have a main time that I go and it's been Tuesdays for quite a while. It used to be Mondays and now it's Tuesdays and I bring Violet with me. In fact, yesterday I realized, Megan, it's the last Tuesday with Violet home because she's not in school full time where the kids are at school. She her school does continue, but the kids are out this week, which means that like me only having my youngest. So it was our last little grocery shop together yesterday. Um, but that has worked for a long time, but that can change. And th- there's yeah. been times where I have had to change who com- who comes with me. Um, and when I go, another time I really like to go is Sunday mornings before the after church crowd. And I am an early yep. riser and at our local Trader Joe's, you have to go right when they open at eight. It is a madhouse. I will not go on the weekends at all, but especially Sunday, like mid morning. So by nine, it's already getting crazy. But if you go at eight or eight thirty, it's actually very pleasant. So you know, I feel like I always say this on this show, look at your schedule, figure out what the pain points are or what the, where you might be able to change Mm. things up. And that can just, that alone going at a different time or with a different combination of kids or no kids, or, you know, I also know couples who, if they have a date night, they will go to the grocery store. It sounds so funny, but go at the end of a date night together because you've had a glass of wine, you're chatting with your spouse. It's fun. Like, yeah, it can be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Go do the shopping before you head home to pay the sitter and then it's done. So get creative about when you go. Um, and I would say that goes for who goes with you. If it's, you know, if it's worth hiring a sitter, um, once a week or trading babysitting with a neighbor because your kids are just, I've had kids who do really well at the store. They like to sit and point at things and talk. And then I've had kids that it's just torture. So if it's torture to bring your little ones, maybe that can change too. So see, yeah. see what you can change if you really hate it. Um, I'm going to throw two. Okay. Wait, first of all, I want to make an observation yes. I'm going to ask you a question and okay. then I have another thought. Oh this my is gosh. a lot that's going to happen. Observation. I keep saying grocery. You keep saying grocery, but what's oh. funny is sometimes I say grocery and right now I feel like I'm doubling down on grocery. Um, and I'm wondering if it's a regional thing. I'm just curious. I'm wondering too, because if you'd asked me, I'm not sure I would have known which one I say, cause they both kind of sound okay to me. I don't have a, strong, yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. And I think I get in the habit of saying one or the other and then I stick with it for a while and switch. So I would love to hear from people. What I know that my friend Nikki, grocery or grocery, my friend Nikki in Philadelphia always says the food store. And I always thought that was the funny. And then store. I've known oh, LA funny. people who say market. I'm going to go to the market. And I don't say either of those. I don't say that because my grocery stores, grocery stores look nothing like a market. <laughs> they look like a grocery store. Um, okay. So there's that. That's out of the way. Thank you. But I do really want to hear from people about which one they say, because I okay. think it's interesting. I'm a linguistics, uh, linguistics person. I always like to know. Yep. Um, okay. So my question is, does uh, Violet still sit in the cart? She Now I give her the choice because she's pretty, especially if it's not crowded and we go when it's not crowded, I give her the choice to walk or ride, but she almost always ends up riding and I can still okay. lift her up there. And it makes me feel like I still have a little one. Yeah. Cause um, I was just thinking last week I was in the store with Clara, which is pretty rare, not because I don't want to take her. She's easy now, but she yeah. doesn't really want to go yeah. most of the time. Um, and I remember feeling the same way as a kid. I hated the cold aisles mm-hmm. and I felt like my mom hung out in the cold aisles a long time <laughs> and I would just be freezing the entire time, you know, the frozen food. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, which is funny now. It doesn't really bother me, but as a kid, I hated it. Yeah. So, and I thought it was boring. Anyway, I was at the store with Clara and I remember thinking like, how long has it been since I lifted that girl into yeah. a grocery cart, grocery cart? 
I don't think, I mean, I absolutely could not now, but it's probably been four years. I bet she probably stopped right around the age of five. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one day you're going to look and realize suddenly like they're all that face is behind you. I know. I know every once in a while. Reed is always so grumpy if he has to go to the store that he is eight. He just turned eight, but he's little for his age. And at Costco, they have side by side. So every once in a while, I'll still lift him in. But it's hard. I'm not I can't get them high enough with my arm strength, like above to get them. in. Exactly. You have to to, like lift them above your head to get their long legs (laughs) unless they're really good at like, you know, chucking their own legs in. So, okay, so those are my questions. That was my question. and My observation. Um, I'm hoping I can actually still remember the point I was going to make. Oh, yes, I can. Okay, so the point I was going to make is sometimes it's fun to sometimes you can get newfound uh, appreciation for grocery shopping. If you um, make it a challenge or start Mm. going to a new store that has like a better produce aisle or like interesting spices or for me going to Aldi kind of gave like when I first started going to Aldi, that gave me a total kick in the pants because I wanted the challenge of like getting my, my bill down as far as I could. So sometimes you're just stale. Like sometimes you really just have to do something very new. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear from listeners what the grocery shopping options are in your area. Um, but I, I totally agree that switching up where you go, um, when you go, all of that can yeah. help. But one more thing we should throw out there before we move on from this is having food delivered to your house is possible yes. in this day and age. It so is if possible. you never want to set foot in a grocery store again, you don't. Oh, you just to. said grocery. You just said oh, grocery. <laughs> yeah. And before I was saying grocery. Oh, yes. I'm not even aware. Yeah. And we're just switching back. We're both interchangeably doing it now. So it's really funny. Whatever. Um, No, I totally agree. So, you know, our sponsor, HelloFresh is one great one. They deliver entire pre-packaged meals to your door. You don't even have to think about it. It's just you just make a meal. And I also use the delivery app Shipt, Mm -hmm. S-H-I-P-T, which I believe is pretty nationwide now. Um, If we have it in my little town, chances are you have it. You guys have it. Or Peapod. Uh, Do you have that? Yep, there's Peapod, yep. there's Instacart, um, and then okay. I do live in an area where there's a lot of options. And Amazon, so Amazon owns Whole Foods now, so there is now you can have Whole Foods delivered by Amazon, and the prices have come down quite a bit on the basics at Whole Foods. So I know people who are getting into that. I haven't tried it yet, but Am- there's Amazon Fresh, and then Amazon. There's two different things that Amazon does. One of them is is through their relationship with Whole Foods, and another is more like delivering from whatever grocery store you tell it to. I don't know. I'm a little unclear, yeah. but our friends, That's at Am- so, I had no idea that Amazon had bought whole foods. Oh, oh, I yeah. missed that. Somehow. that was like I mean, a, they own everything now, but it was like, I want to say six to 12 months ago. It's been a little okay. while, but, uh, but it's starting to manifest like the, it's starting to actually make a difference in prices coming down and delivery being available. So um, yeah. And, and with any of these things, you mentioned HelloFresh, who's a longtime sponsor of ours. In a minute, we're going to talk about PrepDish, which is another great partner. And PrepDish doesn't deliver food to you, but they help you get organized about your planning and shopping. Any of these things is just a tool. It's not like once you do it, it's going to never do anything. You else. never have to think about <laughs> meal planning again. And right. I think that's a trap we fall into and certainly a trap that, you know, like, Everyone wants you to believe that there's one magic solution, but I don't think either of our partners at HelloFresh or PrepDish would say that that's like one thing that you do for the rest of your life. It's a great tool, a time saving tool, a planning tool. Um, And that's how I think that's how both you and I see them. And that's why, you know, both of those options can be so great because you you just there's we all have different struggles. And sometimes the struggle is not needing to get to the store, not being able to get to the store. And sometimes the struggle is no time to cook. And so well, right. The struggles change. I'm looking ahead, like at our um, meal planning uh, topic tips coming up. And it's funny because the tips don't always go together. Like they sometimes contradict each other because you might be in a place of your life right now where all you want is a formula that you can stamp out week after week and creativity. No, thank you. Like, (laughs) I don't have time for that. Or you might be in a place in your life where what you really need is creativity because you're, you're so stale and stagnant and you're bored. Like there's exactly so many places to be. And like, I know when I moved into this house, I needed food delivered to my house in a way that I could quickly make it because I was in the middle of a move. Yeah. Um, whereas like later I might want to do something more like prepping on the weekend. So it's just like it, you, it's going to change a it's million gonna times. Change. And I think a big thing we landed on last week is we can ditch the shame that comes with not putting food on the table every night in a way that we think we're supposed to, whether it's because the way our mom did it or our grandma did it or the mom down the street does it because that guilt and like uh, maybe shame is a strong word, but that feeling of like, 
failure, to be honest, is how I think that is a roadblock to any of these trying any of these new things. Because if you're feeling like I just can't do this, my kids won't eat anything. I don't have enough time. You're not willing to shake things up and try new things. So I think if we can get rid of that and move past that, then all of these tips work because they all just involve like, hey, let's try something new and see what happens. So, yeah, I don't know. We got all deep again. No, it's okay. We do that sometimes. It happened last week. It's funny. We thought we were going to talk about food and we ended up like getting into, you know, psychology. I know, totally. It happens. Um, (laughs) It happens. Well, let's talk about meal planning then. So the next struggle is that you hate meal planning if you do, or that whatever you're trying to do in meal planning is not working for you. Um, So, I mean, I wrote down a couple of things, but my biggest one about meal planning is it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be pretty. It also doesn't have to be comprehensive. For me, sometimes a meal plan is just allocating which protein is going to happen on which night. And I, and the rest just kind of comes together. So maybe we attach too much importance to meal planning sometimes, and then then it's all or nothing. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that when you approach it more simply, um, you can be a little more nimble. So let's say you make a plan ahead of time and it's like color coded and it's on some beautiful you know, chart or format that you bought (laughs) and it's like super specific, then say you get to the store and they're out of something or the produce you were going to buy doesn't look good or you can't find the meat or the protein in the right size. Like like some if some piece of it doesn't come together, the whole thing is kind of a wash. So if you kind of keep it a little bit flexible and simple, then you can not only switch it up in the store, but you can switch it up at home if you just don't have the time to make, you know, sweet potatoes tonight because they take too long to cook. You can swap it out for a veg that cooks faster. And right. then the sweet potato will still apply to something else you're right. making a different day. And so I, I like that, too. Like, I, I like the idea of just kind of having like a basic thing. You're centering the meal yeah. around um, like one thing, but not all of the things. And then picking which pieces to put together with that. And that I, I think tends to be easier to do when the meal is somewhat deconstructible. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I also think for me, I do not love following recipes for dinner. I love to try a new recipe, maybe if I'm baking or maybe on the Mm -hmm. weekend, if we're having a party. But on a weeknight, I am very unlikely to enjoy following. And I said new recipe, but actually, I really mean any recipe, any recipe where I we've talked about this, like where I have to keep looking at the page and checking my measurements is not Mm -hmm. pleasant for me. And it's even less pleasant at four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, So that's another hang up. I think we get with meal plans is a lot of times meal plans are recipe specific. Um, And I choose to think of meal plans as not a recipe, but just like a, like I said, a protein or a theme. Like you can talk a little bit about how you had kind of theme nights for a while. Yeah. now, like when we get into talking about prep dish, that's different because it's all being done at once on the weekend. And then I've got the headspace for it. And we actually did yep. that recently and it worked great. But I am I'm almost never going to follow a recipe on a weeknight. Me it's either. just not in my skill set. No, I I am terrible at following recipes. I am terrible at following directions. In fact, I'm starting to think I have some kind of learning disability when it comes to following step by step instructions. And I'm, I'm not meaning to sound like flip. No, I, I, just, I, I, I know, broke my yeah. camper last weekend because I missed like literally missed did not see step one my Mm -hmm. eyes did not register it so I skipped to step two and broke it I mean it's just like I I, and recipes are are kind of like the most jacked up version of that like I'm trying to do a million things at once the kids are coming in and out I'm trying to there's like a, a half teaspoon of this and a you know pinch of that and it's too much going on um I like to think about the meals that I make for dinners as typically being things that I throw in a pan and I can just do. Yeah. And I don't need to listen or think or follow anything. Um, now, I will say it takes a while to get there, though, right? Yeah. Like one one thing I thought um, was really pretty genius. Do you know who Melissa D'Arabian is? I remember when you interviewed her early on. Yeah, in I your did. First podcast. Yeah. She was like one of the winners of the Food Network Challenge show okay. that was on the next Food Network star. Um, and she has this like four step process for like kind of learning how to cook if you don't know how to cook. Oh, I love that. Um, or like learning how to make any recipe. And it was basically like brown the meat, brown the the veggies and the aromatics, then like make a uh, quick pan sauce just mm-hmm. by deglazing the mm-hmm. pan, flavor and you're done. And I remember mm-hmm. reading that and thinking, oh, that's it? Because yeah. that was when I was just starting to kind of branch yeah. out and try to cook more yeah. outside the box stuff. And it was just, and then you can take those four steps and really apply them to almost anything. 
the idea is though it doesn't have to be a recipe. It's yeah. just a formula in your head. Yep. And sometimes it's not going to taste as good as it did the time before because you don't get the seasonings just yes. right. Who cares? That's so true. You have to be willing if you're not if you're going to go off recipe. And I'm with you. I'm yep. very similar. You have to be willing for it not to turn out great some of the time. But the more often you do it, the more confident you get. So I realized right. that one one way I really like to cook a protein and it took me a long time to realize this is I like to brown it and then put it in the oven. And, and many proteins can be cooked like that. I mean, I think yep. all of them can. But I even do it. With, I did it with salmon recently. And in the past, I would have asked Brian to put salmon on the grill or maybe maybe done it in the pan the whole time. And I wasn't following a recipe, but I thought I'm just going to sear this and then I'm going to finish it in the oven. And it was the first time in however many years that I thought that'll work. I know that'll work. Right. Because you, yeah. It, it's a it thing a you do with proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, but so maybe, I don't know, maybe we're coming down too hard on recipes, but I just don't like them in my, in my weeknight meal plan. I don't want to say right. a new recipe or even, you know, even any kind of recipe, but I, I agree that it's a weekend thing or, or if you like that, like yeah, if or that's if you enjoyable like it. to you. Yeah. Um, if you like that kind of thing. Yeah. And, that. and the thing with, um, one other tip, I know we're not really getting into recipe tips, but when it comes to that, like experimenting just by a good meat thermometer it, oh, by yeah. the kind that you can have outside of the oven. Yes. Like the digital kind yes. where it's like it's attached and it comes out so that you, you can keep one, a read. Do you have one you like? Because I feel like we've had some duds. I had a really good one and it finally died and I it was OXO. OK, I love I'll OXO look it brand. up. I, okay. I'll look it up. Um, I, I want to get another one. It was not cheap, but I used it for five or six years. And I during that time, I never overcooked meat ever That's because great. the reader, the readout is on your counter so you can yes. see it at any time. And then you know how it is when you're opening the oven over and over yeah. and sticking. Yeah. The, yeah, it doesn't. First of all, it messes up the cook time. Yep. And I feel like then I miss some crucial moment where right. I missed like the temp I wanted to get. So if you just get it to the temp you wanted to get to get it to and remember that it's going to that temp's going to go up a little bit as it yeah. rests. So just remember that then it really takes so much guesswork out. And that's when you can play. Like, that's when you right. can just be like, hey, I'm going to sear this meat and then I'm going to throw it in the oven and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. And yeah. almost always it's fine. Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> so, yeah. We will link to we will find we'll find us a good um, meat thermometer and link yeah. to it at the mom dot com. Um, a couple other tips I think we should say. One is I think this is a great tip that I haven't done, but I should, is if you're feeling stale about your meal plan, bring somebody else in on it. It could be a friend. Like you could have kind of an accountability partner. That would actually be kind of fun. Like if you and a friend were making the same meal plan for the week and like, oh, how'd that go for you? Like, you know, what did you try? You could do that with prep dish. You could do it with, you know, some menu you find in a magazine somewhere. Um, But also if your spouse, I mean, Brian really helps me because he loves to cook, but he's no better than I am at coming home from work at five o'clock and like, Right. Having nothing started. So it does help me if I say, you know, all right, let's look at the week. What what are we going to do each night? And then if your kids are into it, um, we talked about picky eaters last week, but that's always tip number one is at least get their buy in on one or two meals for the week because, you know, they're going to be asking what's for dinner. You know, they're going to complain when they find out it's, you know, fried rice or whatever they don't like. Um, So having them see you sit down with a pad of paper or your calendar and plan meals, I think, is a great way to involve them but also you're kind of heading off that complaining it's like well you guys yeah. were here we talked you about were here this. remember like you, <laughs> yeah. you got to give input I don't know we're heading into summer so I'm always thinking about the things my kids could be a little more involved in that they weren't yeah. during the school year and I think that's and and it may just sort of infuse your meal plan with a little more interesting things because you're just because you're you have that accountability of talking to somebody else about it and rather yeah. than hiding <laughs> I agree and we've talked before several times now about how uh, prep dish and ex- is an example of something that would be fun to do with another person. Yeah. Because it's like an event, you know, you're mm-hmm. doing like all that prep together and yeah, you can involve the kids with that totally, especially as they get, you know, maybe at the beginning, it's more helping to decide which foods we're going to make this week. And as they get older, they probably can take some of that prep on in a legit way. Yep. Um, especially if you set aside relaxed time. Yep. We talked last week a little bit about how having a six year old in the kitchen with you at five forty-five on a Monday <laughs> is not like, helpful no or bonding or special <laughs> or bonding or yeah. special but maybe at two o'clock on a sunday when you have all day long and all you're there to do is prep meal, uh, meals for the week yeah that is a different story so you know my being flexible get, my kids get genuinely excited if they've helped us do something in the kitchen and then they see it come to fruition later yes and even like reed is probably my least he's my most picky and also least interested in cooking but if i just kind of force it and like hey come over here and help me uh snap the ends off of these 
snap peas or whatever. And then seeing it, he probably won't eat them. But just right. even seeing how that ends up in a meal later, it's such a simple thing, but they kind of get a kick out of it. So, yeah, it's it's worth it's worth thinking about. Um, yeah. Love that. What about you? You wrote in here. Make sure you include a couple of gimme meals like a, I would call it a cop out. And, yeah. and I'm like, I'm just amening. I think that has to be part of a, a busy mom's meal plan is like a couple nights that, you know, are yeah, like be breakfast easy. for dinner, black bean nachos, something that, you know, you can put together without like with literally without even thinking, yeah. like just grab it and, and go. Um, yeah. I think that the nice thing about that too is make sure you can switch the days if you want, mm-hmm. because knowing you have one or two days that are cop out meals, but it doesn't have to be on a Tuesday. What if you have suddenly like tons of energy on Tuesday yeah. and you want to make something else or, you know, you stop at the farmer's market and yeah. looks like and like you pick something up you're really jazzed about making, then maybe the gimme meal is going to be Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so allow yourself that ability to move things around. We, we talked. I have us- a dry erase oh, board on my. Oh, sorry. Oh, I have nice. a dry erase board on my um, on my fridge mm-hmm. um, and I don't. Put the meals so it's like a week at a glance calendar. Yeah, I do not put the meals that I'm going to make on the days. I put them in the notes section below. I love that because then I can decide. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say last week we talked, we sang the praises of some pre-prepared frozen ingredients that can yes. either be the source of the meal or they can sort of like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like supplement or you know be a nice add-in for a meal. Yep. And I would say it, when you think about your cop out or your gimme meals, make sure that when you're grocery shopping, because sometimes we grocery shop with magical thinking, like it's all yes. going to go well this week, so we only buy the fresh produce and we we don't buy pack it prepackaged. We don't buy the box of mac and cheese. I yep. would just argue that make those things part of your meal plan, even if it's just a side. So like, I'll just use the chicken nugget example. I would feel much better about having like. A, a decent um, breaded chicken cutlet type of thing in my freezer that I know my kids will eat than doing takeout at the last minute because I copped out. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather right. plan for that and have a brand that I feel decent about um, instead of some impulse dinosaur thing that happened because I didn't have a plan. And do you know what I mean? <laughs> impulse dinosaur thing is like, like that should be the name of a band, but yes. that's also like the best way of describing those meals we've all made at times. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. You want to, when Especially, you're do- I, oh. I have gone to like the party store to buy dinner before when I didn't <laughs> plan ahead, like, and the limit, you know, there you've got basically like SpaghettiOs. I mean, there's yeah. really no, there's no options. So there's yeah, no plan ahead food. for those like, yeah. And then, then you look like a hero for your kids too. If, exactly. you, if you say, you know what we're having, we're having dinosaur chicken nuggets tonight because it's the last day of school or whatever. Then you look right. like the hero rather than like please, 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 please. Can we have dinosaur yeah. chicken nuggets? Fine. You know, it's just different. <laughs> yeah. It's a different vibe. Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today. And I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, this next one is hard. This is like yeah. I saved it for last. Well, because, this is one of those deep dives, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And that is the struggle. the The final struggle in this two part series <laughs> is when you've lost the will to cook. <laughs> yep, you're just done. You're just done. And this is, um, I think, happens to more people than maybe admit it. Um, yep. 
but I don't know. Hopefully the the tips we've offered up until this point, hopefully have kind of a cumulative, cumulative effect. If you're able to change up your grocery shopping routine and your meal planning routine, then maybe this won't happen to you. But can you just maybe validate me that sometimes you just lose all desire? I do this twice a year, probably. And when is it you're seasonal in it, for you? Sorry to interrupt. I, no, it's fine. I haven't really figured out what it is, honestly. I have not figured out a um I I haven't figured out if it's related to me being just generally down about other things in my life. I haven't figured out if it's related. I just I don't know. Right. Um but what I do know <laughs> is that it happens. It's happened to me now for 20 years as a mom. Um and it will continue to happen. And yeah. so honestly, like my first piece of advice is that you can just fall off the wagon. It's yeah. okay. Like you don't have to be motivated. You don't have to want to cook. Yeah. You don't have to have any motivation or mojo. Like you can just not want to. And sometimes you just don't want to for like a stupid long time. Yeah. <laughs> like a really long time. And I had a, a phase where I was getting like picking up like a rotisserie chicken mm-hmm. and packaged vegetables, like sometimes two or three times a week mm-hmm. because I just didn't care. Yeah. I was making like, I, that was when I started getting pizza a lot, just stuff yeah. that I don't usually do. And there was a lot going on in my life at that time. And so there, you know, I had like, I had one of those things I thought was a good excuse, which helps sometimes mm-hmm. it's when it strikes when you don't have any, like, there's no reason for it mm-hmm. to strike that you feel guilty and weird about it. And mm-hmm. like, you don't, you don't think it'll ever come back and yeah, it will come back. It will. Now, some people never had much will to cook anyway. Yeah. So it might not come back like strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, well, there's always ruts and dips and you will ride them out and come out the other side. Um, I do think one of the things we talked about last week with, um, what I talked about my kitchen hour and I can't remember what yeah. the, what was the struggle for that? What was the, um, I think the witching challenge. hour, it was a, the yeah, witching it, hour, right? Because if you are leaving it all and trying to do it all in that last hour when kids are grumpy yeah. and instead kind of embracing the idea that you're going to spend a full hour in there, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yes. So I will say that all of these things go together. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like you have no time, but the reason you have no time is that you're procrastinating because yes. you don't want to cook. And then when you do get in there, it's miserable because yes. you're trying to fit what should be an hour and a half process into 15 minutes and it don't fit. Yeah. Right. Um, you sometimes just something has to give, like something has to shift yep. for all of it to come together. Yeah. The, the, the meal planning, the grocery shopping, like all of, none of these things really live in a vacuum. They all go together. And sometimes it's, it takes you experimenting a little bit and figuring out what is the one thing that has to change yeah. to make all the other things click into place. Yes. Um, so that's like not really advice or tips. It's no, just it's more like, you know, it's really, uh. it's really good advice actually. Um, and I feel like you, yeah, you just are really smart in this area. So I, I have a couple thoughts. One is it feels like everyone else is making dinner every night for their family, but I can tell you that they're not even the best mm-hmm. among us are doing sometimes takeout, sometimes cop out meals, sometimes pizza delivery. So we have to put our expectations in check of what it means to be a good dinner cooking mom, because I guarantee wherever your expectations of yourself are, they're probably too high, right? Too high. Yep. (laughs) So there's a big expectations adjustment. Another thing I want to bring up, and we haven't really talked about this, is dinner ritual and custom and culture in your family is not just the food you're putting on the table. In fact, I would argue that if you're in a cop-out phase or a delivery takeout phase or a paper plate phase of life, that's a great opportunity to instead think about what are the rituals around dinner that you are creating for your kids? They, they're picky. They don't want your food anyway, even on your best <laughs> night. You're yes. not going to eat yeah. your most amazing meal. So give yourself a total pass on that and instead make make a reasonable and don't set too high of expectations, but give give yourself a reasonable challenge that you're going to light a candle every night or that you're going to do one of those fun things where everyone shares like a joy and a struggle from their day or that you're going to put a box of conversation cards on the table because I think um, sometimes in the effort to cook a great, healthy, wholesome, affordable, fast 15 yes. minute, like all of these things that are impossible. All, it has to fit all of yeah, the criteria that everyone all likes. Once, yes. um, yep. We get ourselves so riled up that we're actually missing the opportunity to have the other piece of the puzzle, which we know is important and research shows it's important and we know it makes us feel good, which is sitting down 
to, to a meal together. So yes. like I'd much rather sit down to a meal together with a candle lit over a box of pizza than slave away and hate my whole family and be grumpy and sit down to a gourmet meal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. And that is, by the way, backed up by a lot of research. Yes. Um, the idea that what matters isn't necessarily what everyone's what matters on the whole, what matters about the way kids grow up and feel about food and the choices that they make when they're adults uh, around food mm-hmm. has so much more to do with what happens at the dinner table than what's served at the yes. dinner table. And they will they really will make better and better and better decisions. And if you are coming to the table harried and hassled and grumpy and like you're just so done with the whole thing that like you don't even you're just going to yell at them now because they're not eating yeah. what you made or whatever it is. Right. Then, then it actually can be counterproductive. And that's something I've really tried to keep in mind. Um, yes. now I want to give a piece of advice that completely not contradicts. <laughs> well, it might sound contradictory, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. About five years ago, there was a series of books out and I, I can't remember the name of it, but there was one book that was like really like a bestseller. And then there were like a, you know, like a smattering of, of kind of spinoffs and this whole idea of the dinner table, like the family dinner table mm-hmm. became huge. And I remember reading this book, which actually I loved the book, by the way, I'm not complaining and I can't remember the name of it, but it's like family meals or family dinners. And it was like a research oriented yeah. um, parenting book essentially. And I remember reading like in the first, in the intro and it said, what if there was a magic bullet? What if there was something that would make your kids like less likely to be on drugs or get pregnant? Like blah, 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 blah. Would you do it? And I remember reading this and thinking, well, yeah, duh. I mean, yeah. of course I would do it. Um, and then the, the premise is set up that families who eat meals together every single night mm-hmm. are the ones who succeed, basically. And at that time in my life, I was in a place where I could do that most nights. Not mm-hmm. not every single night, but most nights I could do that. And it was like, okay, well, this is just validating what I think I already know. And like, it makes sense that if you sit down together every night and make dinner and eat a family dinner, yeah. all of these other predictive factors are coming into... And, and is it... Is it which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it families that are more functional can yes. do this? Or is it yes. that families who do this become more functional? Who knows? Like, I, I feel like that's the jury is still yeah. out and probably it's a little bit of both. Um, however, fast forward now to a place where I'm not even with my kids three meal times a week, yeah. three evening meals, sometimes four. Um, and when I am, they're scattered now. Like they have things going on and life has changed. And so... I do what I can, I guess is what I'm getting at. And like, I think that's okay. Like last night I made dinner and as I was finishing up dinner, I can't remember now what I had to do. I had to run out for something. So I did not sit down and eat with them right then. I, Mm -hmm. all the the kids all sat down and ate together. They had a family meal and I was kind of hovering in the background, getting Mm -hmm. the dishes in the dishwasher because after I did that, I had to run out. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I don't even remember now what it was. It was something I had to do. And I was like, okay, this isn't what it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be sitting at the meal. We're all supposed mm-hmm. to be talking. But I was talking to them. I was just kind of like yelling over my shoulder from the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. We were all having conversations. And as I l- was leaving, they were scraping their plates and putting them in the sink. And I was like, well, this is not the tradition that I was supposed to have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't what was, I, I guess, prescribed yep. to me via the books and all the research. But it felt fine. Like, yeah. I just remember thinking like this totally, this felt very functional. Like, everyone yeah. sat down. Everybody had a meal together. We all talked. It didn't look the way it looked yeah. for me five years ago or yeah. 10. But that's okay, too. Like, it's those totally nights okay. happen. And sometimes we are, I mean, probably once or twice a week, we all sit down together and have the big meal. And sometimes it's lunch. Sometimes it's totally. not even dinner. Sometimes you know? it's breakfast. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think um, if you're newer in motherhood, it's great to think about we have an episode called the food, something about food culture in your family. It's one of those yeah. that I almost forgot about. Um, but food culture and culture around meals and eating is such an interesting topic. And I, that's where I think the books are so such a slippery slope is it can seem like you're doing it wrong if you're not doing it a certain way. Right. So your family has a food culture and a mealtime culture, whether you know it or not. Right. Um, and I think in these seasons where our cooking game is not our A game, it's it's just something else to remember that you that it's happening and it's not just it's not just a feedback card on your cooking. It's it's yes. all of the other things. Um, so, yeah. And I and I also think that there are even if your meals don't look the way um, they don't look perfect, they don't look like the, you know, leave it to beaver right. dinner. Right. We can all have a few standards we hold on to. Like mm-hmm. in my family now, as long as it's like, it sounds like such a, I've almost given up, but it's more like 
I don't want people taking food and just retreating to their bedrooms. Yep. So that's off the table. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Like, that's never going to be okay. You don't come and yeah. fill your plate with a dinner and disappear. Um, you don't say anything rude about the food. You sit and talk to people at the table. Um, you wait more or less until people are wrapping up before you bolt. It's just a couple of things, really. Yeah. And then you take care of your plate afterward. Maybe two, three standards that I yeah. have. But I feel like as long as those standards are consistently met, I'm okay. Like it yeah. doesn't have to look the same every time. And yeah. whether it's me and one kid sitting at the table or me yes. and five kids sitting at the table or the five kids sitting at the table and I'm not even there or whatever it is, but yeah. whatever the mix of people is, whatever the time of day, whatever is being served, we can stick with those yes. things. And that is the food culture too. So yes. it's, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this yeah. one, I think that was kind of, I don't know if we solved the problem of when you've lost the will to cook, but it did feel like an uplifting um, well, I think what we basically, because I think when you've lost the will to cook applies to all the other yeah. struggles. Yeah. And I think what we just did is like said, here's real life, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we wrap up today, I have a cue it up segment. That is our new segment where we go way back into the archives and pick an episode that we think you guys should just go listen to right now. If you're binging us, we're going to point you in the right direction. Um, and I'm kind of enjoying these not as a way to recommend a similar episode, because maybe you're done with hearing about dinner, um, but something that maybe dovetails or just that I think deserves the light of day. So this one I picked because we're heading into summer and I am always during the summer thinking about the things that my kids need to do independently because I've been maybe doing them for them a little too long during the busy school year. Right. So this is episode 108. It's from basically this time last year. So it's only a year old. Um, but if you missed it, it's called Things Kids Can Do By Themselves If We Just Let Them. And we went all the way from little tiny kids all the way up through your man children, Megan, yes. <laughs> who do many things. And I feel like, I mean, guys, if you don't know this, Megan is really like a, an example, a shining example to us all of having, I think, really competent kids who help around the house. And you learned how to delegate because you had to. You had five yeah. kids. Um, so this episode is all about, it's a little bit of a gut check of, have we really let our kids take on the responsibility that they can handle? And usually the answer is no, like it's time to give a little bit more. Right. Um, and I'm always thinking about that as we go into summer. So that's what I picked again. It's 108 episode 108 and it's from about a year ago. So just scroll back in your, in your podcast feed and find that one. Cue it up. Love it. Cue it up. Do it. Um, so are we going to play out with a couple of, um, inspirational are, messages? Oh, I love set this I up love in this. case people didn't listen last week, set this up for okay. us before we go. So I don't even remember which, I don't remember where it came from. It like, was at the which, very beginning. You just, yes. you just asked for help. Oh, I did. I just asked for help because I said it's getting into the summer and, um, I just, you know, we just moved and I set my grill, which is a nice little propane, like tabletop grill. It's right outside my back door, but I don't use the grill. Because historically, that was my ex-husband's job. Mm -hmm. um, I would do, and I think many, 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 many women fall along those gender lines. Like, we do the prep in the house. We hand it off. That's why, like, the summer can feel like a break from cooking because yeah. we hand everything off and then dad goes out and cooks. Um, and even though I know how to grill, I've done it before. Like, I've, I've done it, but I don't do it. Yeah. I don't yeah. do it. In fact, I wrote a blog post at one point about conquering your fear of the grill. And it was like, I did it the one time and I was super excited. And then I think I did it like two more times and then I just stopped. So yeah. I really needed people to like, I don't know, validate me a little yeah. bit and let me know that I could make the grill a regular part of my cooking life because why not? It's, it's mm -hmm. just an outside stove. Right. And we got all these great uh, voice messages. We got a Vox or a bunch of Voxes. We got some mm -hmm. speak pipe messages and um, someone sent us a fantastic recipe that I can try out yeah. and lots of ideas. And so we want to give those people shout outs and let you benefit in case you're in the same place as me. Obviously, it struck a chord because it was like the day that episode went right. up. We had a bunch of messages right. already. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure yeah. they'll keep coming in. So, yeah, we'll play out with a couple of these sweet listener messages. And like you said, we heard from more people. Um, Aaron sent us a recipe. We'll link that up in the show yes. notes at themomhour.com. Um, so thank you guys. And anytime you want to record yourself, using any of the vehicles for doing that and then send it to us. Hello at the momhour.com. We use those for listener questions. We just listen to them. We love your feedback. So it's really fun. Yep. Yes. Love it. All right, guys. We'll All right. Be we'll, back we'll go into week. that then. Eh? Stay tuned. Hi, this is Beth from Milwaukee. And I just have to say, ladies, get over the fear of the grill. 
I completely understand, but about three or four years ago, I made my husband show me how to grill, which, okay, I didn't tell him this, but it's mostly because he burns the crap out of everything. And it is really not that hard, period. I'm on charcoal, not on gas, so I can't help you there. But what I would say is the Sorta Awesome podcast, I think about two years ago, had a fabulous episode on managing the grill. So check that out. Sorta Awesome. Good luck. Hey, Megan and Sarah. This is Stephanie from Austin, Texas. I am listening to your dinner episode right now and wanted to just kind of give a quick reply to Megan's question about cooking on the grill. I mean, all the things you said are right. You know, I mean, it's just an, it's an outdoor oven or whatever. Um, but my husband is a chef and he actually, um, he's done a ton of barbecue in his career and has actually taught classes um, not just for women, but he's had a lot of women take them to help them get more comfortable on the grill. Um, so if you're ever in the Austin area, you can definitely look us up and, you know, he can give you a lesson. Or, you know, maybe just, like, do some searching for local cooking teachers in your area. That may be a really good way to get comfortable, get some recipes that you feel good about and know how to make, and then uh, kind of get past that. So anyway, good luck. Love the show. Have a great summer. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if mom, our listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. 